Hello and welcome to Step Life, the podcast all about step families. Today we're joined by Shana, who's going to talk about her blended family, and Claire Asherson Bartram, a psychotherapist who specialises in working with step families. Claire's going to offer Shana any guidance and help with any questions she has or challenges she faces. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming in. Thank you for having us. So, Shana, tell us a bit about your step family situation. Okay, so I met my partner just over five years ago on a holiday getaway, (laughs) and we sort of just fell in love, and I decided pretty quickly to uproot my life at the time um, from America over to London. At the time, it wasn't that difficult of a decision because I've always sort of been a, a person who loves to, I think, travel and experience new environments, new places. Um, And it seemed like such a great adventure at the time. So I moved here and uh, visa situations have been significantly more difficult than I think either of us had anticipated. So I have spent the last um, five years kind of going back and forth on different visas, uh, working here a bit, Uh, I got my master's, which is, I think, great in the end, unintended side effect of trying to stay in this country. Um, And then I, just over a year ago, was brought over on a work visa through the company I'm with now, um, which has been great. Uh, And that's also given me a lot of stability and grounding here as well and not feeling like I'm just trying to stay here for the relationship or that I'm visiting. Um, And it's sort of given us, I think, a real chance to to build and grow our relationship. My partner has two children. Uh, now they're seven and 12, almost eight and 13 in May. They grow so fast. And in some ways, with I think with the kids, we've experienced more and more challenges now that they're actually getting older because they're taking on their own personalities. Both kids have separate mothers. The older one lives with us full time. The younger one is with us. Um, well, the agreement is sort of that it, he's with us every other weekend, though oftentimes he's with us every weekend, uh, sometimes for entire breaks if he's not going on a holiday himself. So it's very fluid, the it's arrangement. It's very fluid. I mean, just even yesterday, my partner was like, oh, the youngest one is coming up again this weekend. Okay. (laughs) You just kind of have to, I think in that sense, for the most part, it's sort of worked all right for me because I am pretty laid back and fluid, um, very flexible and and can generally just kind of roll with it. But of course, you know, sometimes it is challenging because you don't have any control of that situation. It is obviously a lot more work when he is around on the weekends. And so (laughs) does your partner sort of say to you, the youngest one's coming this weekend or is it okay and you discuss it together or will he just let you know? Most, Mostly he'll just let me know. I think if it is sort of a problem, we can talk about it and there have been kind of moments or if we've had something that we need to do or whatever, but I, I do think, and I can really empathize with this, it's really hard for him to not have him come up or want him to come up because there has been a period of time where he has been taken away from him. So I think that he is kind of always feeling like that could happen again. And so I think he just wants to take up as much of his time as he can. You know, so if he's ever offered to him, I think that it's just yes, 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 yes. And they do have such a strong bond, very, very close I would say up until recent months, he's tried to be a (laughs) co-sleeper. And my partner has played a lot of musical beds over the years, which has only recently started to really improve for him. Um, So I, I, on one hand, can understand that, um, but it it does add some extra stresses and pressures sometimes. And the eldest one you have full-time. We do have him full-time, and he is now going through puberty, which is very challenging. Um, His mother isn't very involved. Uh, She is in another country. I would say even when they were together, she wasn't maybe the most involved either. So I think that he does experience a lot of trauma from that. And I would love to have a dialogue with him about it. But unfortunately, I don't think he's found the words to discuss it or has understood them in himself either. So I think it's always something that we're thinking about but we aren't sure how to sort of process or speak to him about it or deal with because he doesn't seem to be yet in a place to really 
feel anything about it. So you're sort of his main mother. Yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, yeah, um, I do to the most of sort of my ability take on that role for the day-to-day in terms of, I mean, financial support, taking care of him, providing for him, pretty much everything. I think that the only thing I would say is sometimes I do feel that there is that bond sort of missing, which has just gotten more challenging, I think, as he's gotten older. I know that he doesn't necessarily consider me his mother, which is tough sometimes, but I understand as well. And I think it's hard for kids. And I I sort of think as well, when a child, this is how it feels to me, when a child sort of has a person in that kind of pocket for them, they find it hard to allow anyone else to also hold that role. So I'm really mindful of that. And I'm 100% okay to sort of just be who I am and take on whatever it is I need to take on. It doesn't say that's not really challenging though. And do you do you ever get upset that you're doing so much for him, um, whether that's cooking, cleaning, washing, yeah. financially supporting him, and he doesn't see you yeah. in the way that you'd like him to? Yeah, I would say all the time. <laughs> but um, I try to remind myself, and I am trying to find a way to just deal with that for myself, because I, I think that it's just about me maybe taking it less personally, because I don't, I don't think he's doing it to hurt me. But it is. I think that's one of the biggest challenges because I think sometimes you, I sort of find myself waking up and going, I could just run away right now and be free, <laughs> which I think is probably from what I've heard from my friends as well, how every biological parent feels as well. But I think in my case, it's maybe more amplified because it's a situation I've chosen for myself rather than I think inherently attached to. But I do feel a large sense of responsibility for him. Claire, would you say that's quite natural, the way Shana feels that her stepson doesn't sort of appreciate everything she does for him? Yes. I mean, I think that a parent would feel it too, but the difficulty that I see is that it is a different relationship being a step-parent than a parent because when you are a parent, many parents feel, and mothers in particular, they feel very attached and connected Mm -hmm. to their children. It's like they are there. You said something that I thought was very significant. You talked about choice. I think when you've got a baby of your own, you don't feel it's a choice to be the mother. Mm -hmm. Even if you go away, you are the child's mother. Whereas if you were to go off and be free, like you Mm -hmm. thought, actually there's nothing particularly to connect you, except that you've known each other a long time and Mm -hmm. you have something towards each other that's to do with the time you've known each other, Yeah, but not a sense that you belong to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's very different. And I think that makes it harder to do some of the chores that you end up doing when Mm -hmm. you're raising a child. And children are difficult. And puberty is a very difficult time. So I I think that, um, you know, it it sort of helps parents to stay there, that they've got that connection and love. And, you know, if you're not the parent, then it makes it harder. And the idea that you could go exists on both sides. If you said to me, if he in any way feels that you're in between him and his father, mm-hmm. in his fantasy, you could go as well because you don't have that connection. So yeah. it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I think he knows that. Some, one time he said to me, he goes, I think if it wasn't for me and my brother, you'd leave. <laughs> because, of, um, because of what was going on with you and your yeah, partner. Yeah, I think when we've yeah. had some challenges. And I think my partner can be admittedly so quite demanding individual and maybe difficult to live with at times. And I think that situation has amplified everything at times because it just sort of feels overwhelming. And I think it's that loss of control uh, that maybe I would feel I had more if they were my children. You feel like a slight amount more of control in, in some situations because there's a boundary that I can't cross. And if I do cross it, the consequences aren't great because, of course, my partner is going to be on their side and against me. And I have had maybe small moments here and there where I've sort of felt that. Mm -hmm. And so you just sort of learn to naturally kind of create that boundary. And, I mean, I try just try to maintain it as much as possible, but I think it is such a fine line to walk sometimes between, okay, well, what should I do here? Is this something that I just completely defer? And then I have to go in myself and be like, okay, yes, this isn't how you would deal with it if these were your children, but 
they're not. And someone else has the kind of the, you know, is the point person for this situation and mm. determining what steps we're taking or how it's being handled. Do you talk to your partner separately about how you handle the children, discipline them, chores they do around the home and agree on it together? Or is it he makes all those decisions and you just sort of go with them? We try to talk about it as much as possible. I think we have we've really struggled with that because it has our oldest can be quite a difficult child. He does have some learning difficulties. And on top of that, I think because of the sort of emotional issues that he's had with his own biological mom and he bottles them up, it comes out in other ways. So where we feel we're being attacked or or whatnot, I think it's not personal. It's just he hasn't learned how to communicate what's going on inside with the outside world. I think it's less difficult for my partner because it's like his father. For me, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, this is so hard to deal with because it is like you were saying, you don't have that kind of natural bond that just connects you. So you do take things a little more personal in some ways because you don't have that connection where you can go, oh, it doesn't matter if he hates me right now, I'm his mom. Mm -hmm. You know, which is, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I probably said that to my mom going through puberty. <laughs> and we're best friends now. So, um, yeah, I think it's really hard when you're the biological parent, if your mm -hmm. child says, I hate you, five minutes later, you can have a kiss and a cuddle exactly. on the sofa and make exactly. up. When you're a step parent, it's not the it's same so at all. It's so much harder. It's so harder, but harder. It, it can still eventually be okay mm -hmm. between you. Mm -hmm. But it is a different relationship from mm -hmm. a parental relationship. It's still like the turbulence of childhood. Mm -hmm. And it is a bit like it's turbulent and teenagerhood is yeah. extremely turbulent. And then you get to calmer waters. Mm -hmm. But that's down the line. It is. Um, but you said something else that I was thinking is um, very common is that you're sort of outside of your partner and his mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. And that can be quite painful sometimes mm -hmm. because you are the only person in that position. Yeah. The others have got history, the connection. And you were saying about a boundary, like this sense of a line that you can't go across. I was curious about that and thought I'd love to hear an example, if you were willing. I mean, I think there are so many examples. There are little ones that I think about just in terms of, I mean, I myself more and more as I go on becoming more and more kind of conscious of the environment and just sort of as a parent as well, even the littlest things, you know, like I wouldn't want if I had for my own children and they had a birthday party, for instance, I wouldn't want anyone to give them any gifts with any plastic in it mm. um, or other things. And I just feel like, I mean, Christmas was such a good example because I can't even tell you how much what I would call crap just came into our house and I have no control over it friends of my partners gave these kids these these nerf guns the size of this entire place all plastic and like these guns battery operated i mean just huge things like that where i just can't kind of cross that boundary i don't really have the say in that and i just sort of have to accept i just have to accept it and try to find a way to sort of deal with it like okay all of these things are coming to my house how do I sort of deal with this all of these examples are being set for these children that I don't necessarily agree with but I'm not necessarily the one that can do anything about it and certainly um, I mean I think that we deal with this a lot as well with my partner's mother they have sort of a, an interesting relationship as well where where she'll do do things like that as well maybe give the kids things that I think all grandparents do right <laughs> in general and I can't have that conversation with her either because she's like well I'm the grandmother you know I have to and I think she feels extra responsible for filling in the gaps as well so I think it's a lot of people overcompensating and in, in trying to fill in these gaps and sometimes I take a step back and wonder if that's actually best for the children did you broach it with your partner and say, maybe we should tell people um, not to give so many plastic presents or things like that? And how did he respond? Yeah, I don't know if I specifically broached the plastic conversation in that specific conversation, although I've kind of mentioned it here and there that for birthdays, for when we have kids in the future... I'm not going to want people to give us gifts with plastic in it. And I have mentioned that I don't really like that. You know, they have the lols dolls these days and it's just so awful. But I did talk about the amount. And I think for the most part, my partner tried harder this year to take that on. I don't know that he felt that he could also create that boundary with his mother. 
I think she likes to go overboard as well. And I get that. My father's the same. He cannot be calmed down. So I think that is always hard to discuss boundaries, I think, with outside forces as well. I think he did try to calm it down this year. But Claire, would you say it's okay because Shana lives with her partner and the eldest child full time that they can make family rules together, maybe sit down, uh, draw up a list? Or is it better that she broaches things privately and takes a step back? What would you say in a situation like that? I'd say if you are able to all together, and sometimes people use that strategy, like have a house meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd like to work things out and everybody has a say here and sort of almost do it like formally, Mm -hmm. get some nice food in or something and say, okay, let's have a family meeting and we can all raise things that we want to think about and try and get somewhere with them. So that's sort of one way forward that people do. I think there is actual research that says that I mean, I wanted to say I think you're behaving very sensibly. I think that you are right if you sense where the boundary is and that if you go through it, you're going to get pushed back is right because you are sort of outside of that system. Mm -hmm. And the only person that can really bring you in is your partner. And if they're not, then that's difficult. So in your question, there's a few things that are right. One way is that you together work things out, what the family rules would be, but he would it would do better for him to deliver them because of that, because especially with a teenager who's saying you're not a mum or something, you know, like. But you can also do things that include you all that are to do with house decisions. And that could be quite good for a teenager, too, because it can help them feel like, well, I'm respected. I'm a little bit older, you know, more grown up. Do you have an example of how I might be able to have like that exact conversation with the oldest one in that sort of home environment? Like what sort of things could I bring him in on for him to feel respected and also for him to give his own opinions on? I suppose you just talked about presents. You could ask him altogether. You know, we thought you got an awful Mm -hmm. lot of presents and it looked a bit much. How do you feel about that? What would you Mm. like? Because then you would maybe be in a position where you are telling people and it's not you telling them, you're giving them his wishes. Mm -hmm. One thought is you could talk to him about the environment. He might like that. Mm. And then you might say, you know, there's all this plastic and he might not want plastic presents. So if he didn't want them, that might be a way around things. I think that's such a great idea. And I mean, I think I have been trying where I can. I think it, it is hard sometimes because I'm the one doing the research and the one sort of invested in that, even though they do care about the environment, sort of like things with the plastic shower curtains or, you know, we just had a conversation the other day because after a while you just have to throw them away and then they end up in landfill forever. So there's little things like that. And I'm just trying to sort of plant those seeds in his head so he can start to think about things and be more mindful as well. And maybe if it's something that you both care about or Mm -hmm. he starts to care about, it's another way to sort of bond Bond, you and something for you guys to work on together. Mm -hmm. Because I know that you said earlier that you find that quite hard. Yeah. And I think from my own experience... It's really beneficial having something one-on-one you can do with each child and it gives you time to sort of bond with them and and spend time with them and get to know them better. Yeah, that's definitely been something we've struggled with, I would say, finding those bonds. Obviously, my partner is male, two boy kids. They have lots of things in common, and I think the boys as well, they want to be, you know, the oldest, the youngest one wants to be like the oldest one, and they both want to be like their father. So they have, of course, this biological bond, and then they have all of these natural and inherent things in common. And I am, just to go back to that point, always feeling in those instances like an outsider. And whereas I think for the at least first half, maybe two-thirds of our relationship, I really tried to just be as involved in those situations as I could, but didn't feel great being involved in them. And I think this past year, I've tried to not be as involved in those kinds of situations and just, you know, go do your things together that you enjoy. Go play football together. Go watch Mm. football together. Go do this together. Because it is, when I'm there, I do just feel like I'm observing. And I even feel that way sometimes in our house. The boys are you know, if we're on the couch together, they're sitting on top of their father and I'm sort of just there. And it's, it, you just kind of feel like, you know, and as well, it's different when it's your own kids on you all the time. But 
when they're not, sometimes you feel like, oh, this is really great, but also like I just need a little breathing room. <laughs> and when I think it's you're the parent, you can say, can you please get off me right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine because you still have that bond and you know that five seconds later you can be kissing and cuddling again. When you're not, you have to be so mindful of the way that you speak to them. I can't say that. I have before, and I think the oldest one has gotten so hurt by it. And I didn't, of course, mean that in any way. You mean he wanted to be close to you? Yeah. And you found it a bit He was just on top of me. (laughs) And it just was physically uncomfortable. Um, And I think it's so tough as well. I mean, I I work full-time, six days a week, very demanding, stressful job. And it's, you know, when... I think with anyone, when they come home, they want to chill out, hang out, watch TV all together, don't always want people physically on top of them. And it is different. It is as well those sort of small boundaries that you have just as a person and an individual can sometimes be hard to maintain in these environments because you're trying to be extra sensitive of the other person, but sort of at what cost to your own boundaries. Well, you said something earlier that I think suggests that he might actually be hypersensitive because Mm, he feels rejected by his own Mm -hmm. mother so there's probably something in that that you got which is that that's the thing you have the such step family situation and then you have everybody's personal strengths and difficulties all interacting as well Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that that's what happened when he got hurt that it was sort of in a way not about you Mm -hmm. but because he was trying to be close to you and he's feels he's got something in him where he already feels rejected. Mm-hmm. So it is it is a hard situation, for sure. Mm-hmm. As you talk about it, uh, you just seem very aware and knowing how it is. And I know that some of those things are very painful, painful for you yeah. to feel so outside. Yeah, they can be, I think, at times quite painful. I think how I have sort of reclaimed that or tried to reclaim that this year as as I've really kind of put the pieces together in understanding that that's how I feel and why I feel that way and also feeling or making the decision now that actually it's okay if I'm maybe not there all of the time for all of these moments as that person on the outside, that maybe it's okay because I am a very independent person, which also creates its own its own challenges, but that can be my time to go and do something with maybe my friends or things that I need to kind of do or want to do that I find interest and don't feel sort of on the outside of things. And then we can come together at, at certain points. I, I think that's right. I think firstly, two things, something about you looking after yourself and your interests and not feeling that you have to be there with them. Mm-hmm. They probably really enjoy their time together and mm-hmm. their sense that you are happy with that and that you're not fighting that and not trying to be part of something that they don't really want you to be there. Mm-hmm. You don't even really want to be there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like it's there's an acceptance and warmth about that. Not It's not like a sort of push away, then you mm-hmm. go and do your thing, you know, or mm-hmm. something. I think that's great because that's part of what you can be. I think being a step-parent, you have a very different relationship. It's more like something like a mentor or an aunt mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that, like an adult who's friendly and warm but not completely enmeshed. Yeah. And that can be actually a very helpful place for a child. He might, in the end, your stepson might, in the end, find you someone he can talk to yeah. about things that are difficult, maybe more than his father or his mm-hmm. mother cause, because you're not so involved. Yeah, I'm. I, that's what I'm hoping to create. I mm-hmm. think I have found some difficulties that I'm trying to work through myself, just quickly going back to the situation as feeling on the outside and just trying to create my own independence with that. Do you th- I do think and hope that the kids are appreciative of that because I do feel like they must enjoy time spent more with their father without necessarily me being there all the time. But I don't know that my partner enjoys it quite as much. I think he always feels like he wants me to be there. I think maybe there's some recreation of that sort of family unit. Um, but I can always tell anytime they're doing anything, he's like, are you going to come? And I sort of have to go, hmm, I don't know. Why don't you guys go do that? So I think just having that kind of open communication without hurting his feelings to say, maybe it's just good that you guys do things sometimes and not all of us without hurting his feelings that I'm that I'm wanting to still be there for the kids, but maybe not as often as he would like me to be there with the kids. I was wondering whether that might be something you could talk about at a family meeting, mm-hmm. something about, you know, this is how I'm mm-hmm. feeling, like this is you guys all together. How is it for you? Yeah. 
And so that might be something where you could all sort it out. And it wouldn't just be you and your partner, but, you mm -hmm. know, he might find out that his son likes to have time with just him. Mm -hmm. I bet he does. Yeah. You know, and then that might make that easier. Mm -hmm. So that was one thought I had. Him wanting you to be a family altogether, that is really common. I think that very often the parent, whether it's the fa a father or a mother, actually longs for and imagines that they can just bring someone in and it'll be, you'll all be like mm -hmm. a family and don't really find it quite difficult that you feel differently towards the children than they do. Actually, in such a way that it's very painful. Because I think very often for the parent, the uh, connection with the children, it's almost like they're part of them. If you reject the children or even if you want distance from the children, it's like you wanting distance from them. And therefore, when you try and talk about it, it's like you're saying things they don't really want to hear. And that is often the real difficulty in families. And it's this difficulty of talking to each other because the things you're talking about are so painful. And because there has been a real loss, like your partner has not had the opportunity to have maybe what he really wanted, which was like a family where everybody was all related. It's not about not loving you, mm -hmm. but it is about this real wish and and that the family that he has is not what he wanted it have. And then he'd try and make you all be that. And you're not. You're different. You've got a different shape, if you like. So coming to terms with that, I think it's actually like a grief. Mm. And somebody wrote about it in a book, which is called... Um, Thriving and surviving and stuff. Maybe she says it in that book too, Patricia Papenau, where she talks about the loss of the family. It's almost like the fantasy family, the family you hoped to have, the family you wanted it to be. Having it, it actually being like a grief mm -hmm. that, to let go of that and then be the family that you actually are, which has got different relationships. So I think there's something of that in what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think that resonates so much. And I think I've definitely seen that playing out. I think, yeah, it's put a lot of pressure on me as well that at times feels too much, I would say. And I think that I'm trying to find ways to cope with that pressure while being aware of that sensitivity because I don't know that maybe he's fully on the other side of that grief. Because mm. I don't think if you understand it as grieving, you don't ever really go through it and it sort of just sits there and sometimes I feel like things just are sitting there so it is sort of tough because not only do I sort of feel alone sometimes in the family unit but I sort of feel alone in these feelings with no one to talk to about them in fear that I might hurt someone's feelings <laughs> because it is it is such a sensitive area and I think I have in the past because I haven't found the greatest of ways yet <laughs> to cope with it, or at least not consistently. Because I think we can all, I mean, you can cope for 23 mm. hours of the day and then the, the 24th hour of the day just blow up and then it ruins the other 23 hours. But what you're going through, it's really common. I mean, I can talk about it mm -hmm. because it's something that happens again and again and again in these situations. And I think that so many people go into a step family situation without really understanding what the difficulties and complexities of it are. Mm -hmm. We think we can just sort of walk into something. But from how I see it as these things are very strong, they're very hardwired in us. There's something to do with, you know, how we survive as a species. You know, we make families and we're together and, you know, maybe sometimes we're we're quite, um, well, sort of almost animalistic in some of these impulses, like being, this is the closest to the animal kingdom that we are, isn't it? That we breed, that we have children, that we look after our children, that we raise them. And then there are emotions and tendencies that are connected with that to do with sort of protection and, you know, maybe someone outside, like this is difficult for you, but you could be experienced as a threat. And that's why you feel there's a line because you're sort of a threat, because you're not of the group. Mm -hmm. And so then the hope is that then if you're in the group, then you're not a threat. If you're outside the group, then it's difficult for everyone. But actually the way to be in the group in the step family is rather different than it is in a biological family. And it takes more work, you know. Mm -hmm. there's, in a way, there's actually more space between people. 
but it's a process to get there. You know, I would say that the more, and I know it's difficult for you and your partner to talk to each other, but the more you can Mm -hmm. really hear what it's like for each other, I think that's a good way forward if you can. And sometimes it's just simply to talk with someone and say, can we have a conversation? Talk one at a time that we can say if something's really painful, that I can check that I've understood you before I speak because often when we're upset we don't really hear what the other's saying we hear what we think they're saying and what we think we you know and that comes from our general irritation or things we've already made up you know so it takes really slowing down and it takes yeah so that's it's tricky it's hard but that is a good first step is to really try and talk with each other and recognize each other's feelings And I can imagine it's hard because your youngest stepson is sort of dipping in and out of the of the unit if he's coming every weekend or every other weekend. And for your eldest stepson, he's there all the time. So the dynamics are sort of all over the place. Yeah, which I think has been certainly difficult on both of them. And in some ways, like we were saying before, I am trying to become that person for the oldest one. Where in the past, I'm trying to work away from maybe what I have become in the past, which I think is someone who constantly loses their patience with a child that doesn't have much patience. (laughs) And that can all get too much sometimes. And I'm really trying to focus on taking a step back from that, becoming a more patient person, becoming more empathetic and trying to build that bond with him, which we kind of dip in and out of. And I, I do see it sometimes where he can open up to me or we can have kind of these more like adult conversations I think about the youngest Mm. because he's now seeing in a way that he can discuss with us or at least for me what it's like to have him dip in and out or the relationship with his mom because it's not his you know his brother's mom isn't his mom so he can now see things and he's relating to things and going you know well, why is that like that and we can have a conversation about it or mm-hmm. or certain things like we've you know recently had a lot of difficulties because the division of labor in our household isn't exactly even and i would really appreciate my partner to do more i do find him now sometimes here and there trying to do a bit more I think it's tough because he doesn't naturally want to neither do I (laughs) and I think when he sees me doing it he's like all right cool she has this no problem some families set up timetables you know yeah have have tasks my friend everybody in the family had a chore which changed around so they had a list of chores Mm -hmm. and then for a month it was one person's job to for example do the washing up and then the next month it was someone else you know like systems yeah those are also things you can work out at meetings yeah i I just recently got this book called fair play which is supposed to be really good for that and it kind of creates this little game system so i'm hoping to to see where that can kind of go for us to sort of help out but i've definitely been guilty of having my own fair share of sort of meltdowns of having Mm. so much work during the day in a stressful environment managing people and then coming home to then having to deal with all the cooking the cleaning or whatever for the rest of the evening and then Mm. feeling like why am I doing this and you know the oldest one does have a certain set of chores which you know I think probably just with most kids his age doesn't do them on his own and it's a battle every time (laughs) just never fun but I think he's he's trying to get there I wish my partner had more chores that he took care of. But I'm, I'm hoping that we do find a way to kind of make that work for us all. I'm hoping that book will help as well set up that kind of game that we can do. But my whole point of bringing that up as well is with the youngest one kind of dipping in and out. Um, whereas if he comes kind of every other weekend, it's not quite as big of a deal. But for instance, he was with us over the holidays for maybe a week and a half. And during that time, lots of things are going on. And those two boys now, I don't know how many outfits a day they wear, but it feels like they're wearing three tracksuits a day. And in these very small English washing machines, you can only wash three a day. So I was just feeling very, very overwhelmed. And because the oldest one is doing chores, it felt not unfair necessarily, but it just felt like it might be the best case scenario if the youngest one 
could sort of help the oldest one out with his chores. Not to say that the expectation would be the same, and I spoke to the oldest one about it, but that he would just be involved in the process. So they were sort of doing it kind of together, in it together, rather than the youngest one sitting on the couch watching TV or playing games while the oldest one is sitting there doing all of his chores, Hmm. you know, kind of every day. And the youngest one actually got quite upset with me about it so much so that he didn't want to come over the following weekend because he was upset with you because you wanted him to do chores yeah and so you know he went and told his mother I make him do all these things then she obviously told my partner and then I looked like the bad guy and so now I'm just I've tried to back off as much as I can because now I'm just like okay I don't want to create this situation (laughs) well I think that it would work better for you if you and your partner agreed that he needed to do a few things, if your partner were to tell him, mm-hmm. then for you to tell him. Because it's easy for you to be the bad guy. But he's got a bit more um, connection, really. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's a possibility, and you might get somewhere if you do all talk together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you say when you're in our house, these are the rules, and it may be different at mummy's house, but this is what we do here. and But I think father has to say it because you're yeah. the outside one. Yeah. Even if that's the same thing he's saying, if you see what I mean. Because mm-hmm. if you say it, then it's like you become the bad stepmother. Mm-hmm. And then also the child feels that, well, I have to do what she says. And he, you know, somehow it sidelines the parent for the child. Am I making sense Absolutely. with that? Whereas Absolutely. if your father says it, if mm-hmm. the father says it, then it's like... You're in there, but the focus is on the father, not Mm -hmm. on you. And the child can't so easily moan about dad making him do things. Yeah, I've I've definitely tried to do that as much as I can. I know that there have been some moments where maybe my partner wasn't home and it's just me and the kids. Mm. And I guess in those moments moving forward, I'm just trying, you know, not to sort of interfere maybe in those moments where it's just us. But the father could... Set your that. partner, you could set it up and say, you're home with Shana tonight mm-hmm. and there are some things you need to do and Shana's going to tell you to do them. And he could set it up so they know it, so that you have his support. Mm-hmm. And then if he doesn't, then maybe not to do it. Do you know, so that you don't yeah, get in that absolutely. space. Yeah. That sounds sensible. I think you have to be very creative and flexible in these situations mm-hmm. and wise, which is hard we're not always wise are we (laughs) yeah and it's so hard when you come home like you say from work and Mm -hmm. you're tired and the house is a mess and you feel underappreciated and you're doing everything and you are going to blow up and become resentful and I think these are all such natural feelings what's amazing Shana is your insight and your self-awareness of all that that I suppose a lot of people wouldn't have Mm. Still doesn't make it easy. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, no. My, it's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. No, it doesn't at all. It doesn't. I mean, I think it gives you a place to start from. Mm. But sometimes I feel like, am I the only one with the self-awareness in this house? And then that does create its own set of resentment and sort of how do I, how do I make my partner more self-aware of these moments without making him feel... Maybe like I'm putting him down or telling him what to do or, or, you know, in a place that isn't combative and it's more, I I think it's always hard to tell your partner something that you feel like they could be doing better or something you notice. Uh, Those conversations are, are never easy and can always kind of come off as combative sometimes. I think it's hard. I think that one thing, I don't know if it would help your partner, but the thing is, as somebody who's not so involved with everybody you are in a position where you can see things more clearly because you're you are a step back you are a bit outside and it's hard to see things clearly from within it so that's the curse and blessing of being an outside person if your partner can learn I mean I can't make you can't we can't make your partner learn to sort of respect that you might see things more clearly from the outside you might have something to contribute in that way but that might take time Mm. But you and him are together and you're sort of working through things. And Mm -hmm. it does take time for for these things to settle down and for people to find their place. Yeah, I think certainly there's so much with that because I think I would say sort of up until maybe this year even and even still sometimes he's felt really out of control with the entire situation for both kids. And so he hasn't 
come into his own to take control of the situation. I think he's so often, you know, always waiting for the other shoe to drop with the youngest one. So cautious of that um, because it is such a sensitive situation. So Mm -hmm. provided he play into everything the way that he's supposed to play into, things can keep, you know, it it can remain the status quo. Um, And that's to do with mm -hmm. his relationship with her. That's another story Mm -hmm. with the mother there. Mm-hmm. But those books, Patricia Papenow's books, are really helpful, actually. And I think they're often really helpful for everybody to mm-hmm. have a look at because she sort of goes through lots of different situations and lots of different positions in a family and talks about what's typically difficult in each. And there are examples of people in big difficulties finding ways through for themselves. You've read it. Yeah, yeah I've read it and I'll put it on the show notes uh, it's for this very podcast and, and send send you the link to it as well. I think it must be hard that he's navigating around two mothers is hard enough dealing with one, let alone two, and the the different demands and expectations each one probably brings to the situation. Mm-hmm. And then adding me into it, and then his mother as well. Yes, yeah, so his, his difficulty is he's mm-hmm. in the middle of everybody. Mm-hmm. Your difficulty is you're outside. Mm-hmm. His difficulty is it's like everybody has a sort of string on him and they're pulling him Mm-hmm. And he can't please everybody, yeah. and he can't. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, that's and then he mm-hmm. has his own need and wish to have a connection with his children. Yeah. To be a father, so that is tough. That's the particular toughness for the parent, the biological parent in the step family. The toughness for the step parent is this thing of being outside, not having a relationship with the children, which I always feel makes them almost like brothers and sisters, almost in that. You all want attention from the same person. You know, like you are together with him, but they want him. Mm-hmm. And they can't see, you know, you're not their parents, so they can't really see you quite as an authority in the way that they see their parents. Yeah. So you're in that way. It's a sort of vulnerable position, but they feel like they can push at you. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I've definitely heard my partner say at times, not that recently, but in just in the past with me and the older one that were bickering like siblings or, or something. You like are that. like siblings, yeah, aren't and, you, if you think about it? Yeah, I think in, in some ways. Yeah, in you, some ways, definitely, I mean, especially yeah. if he's pushing me in the same way that my actual brother would be pushing mm. me too. And that sort of kind of gut, you know, annoyance you get from a sibling. Well, if you think about it, with your siblings, you all want your parents' attention. Mm-hmm. So part of your bickering and fighting is about that. Yeah. Some of it. Mm-hmm. A sort of competition, you know, and a bit, maybe there's an anxiety about who's the favourite and all these things. But anyway, brothers and sisters. Yeah. I, I never thought about it quite in that way, but it does. It, it makes a lot of sense. And I think sometimes, or certainly in the past, it does very much fit mm. what it feels like at times. Mm. And it, it is hard as well sometimes to share that sort of attention. And I think creating those boundaries is is difficult because it is tough to say, oh, you know, we need some time together. Or I know you haven't seen your youngest son all week, but do you think they can go to bed before, you know, do you think they could not fall asleep in the front room while we're all watching TV so that we could have a moment together? Mm. You know, can they go upstairs, you know, and not feeling like, I don't want to offend you. I know you want to hang out and I know you love each other, but... Can we have an hour without them? You know, and sometimes, and I think they have felt, you know, that I don't want to hang out with them or something because I've just gone upstairs by myself because I need my own time. Mm. And at this point, and at my age too, I'm getting older, our bedtimes are now the same as the kids. You know, they want to stay up as early as I want to go to bed. (laughs) To me, (laughs) I imagine another good conversation from you said what sort of things can you talk about at meetings that might be a good thing to talk about at a meeting your need for space Mm -hmm. the different because it could go along with they need time with their father you need time with him you need space on your own they might need time together and he might need space on his own how can you all work it out Mm -hmm. and it, it might be a really great opportunity if you were in a meeting together to say this is really not about me not liking you this is just about me needing to be, to have some time mm-hmm. and sort of explain yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, when things are happening in the moment, you often don't explain yourself. You just fall into the difficult thing. Yeah. You know, but if there's, but if you can make a space where you can put these things on the table, that might um, make it easier. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it would be great because as well as as the older one is getting older now, nearly 13, I think it would just be so beneficial for him to feel like he is making a contribution and not to feel like at this stage in his life he's just being told what to do, which I know is a way that he feels and a conversation that I have tried to have what feels like ad nauseum this, at this point, that he has the control at the end of the day to be as independent and in control of his own life and his life in this house mm. as much as he wants, you know, but he has to take on the responsibility of the things that he's responsible for in order to kind of get that way. And I've tried to help him and kind of make lists, you know, so mm. he isn't hearing it from us of what do I have to do? You know, if you just read the list, the amount of things we're going to tell you to do is going to be so few. So you'll have, yeah. you know. I feel for a teenager because I yeah. think they sort of want to be the grown up, mm -hmm. but they also want to be a baby still. It's a bit painful yeah. to grow up and ha yeah. have responsibility. And they're a bit you know. like adults in children, mm -hmm. you know, adult bodies, but with children's heads still. Yeah. It's, it's a weird transition. Those yeah. I think with years. another kid around too, who is you a know, child, yeah, yeah. still very much a child the sort of constant jealousy of that and getting away with things and not mm. having to do things. You know, that's always a difficult thing to... I think that happens. I mean, I remember that even with my own brother, who's three years younger than me growing up. Me always getting into trouble more than him or, or whatnot or doing things. So I notice that for our oldest as well. And I do, I try to... I've always taken the stance that as a mindful parent, I want to create a mindful child. So I don't believe in that. I tell you to do something, so do it just because I told you to do mm. so. I very, very, very strongly believe that if I'm going to tell you to do something, I'm more than happy to sit down and explain for as long as you feel like sitting down for why I'm telling you to do that and the consequences it has for the rest of your life. <laughs> Those little things, you know, so that you can, because I, I believe context is important. Mm. And I'm sure that most of the time it's just flying over his head. But hopefully one day it, it sets in there, you know, the reason why we're asking him to do things or the reason why he gets into trouble. He just went on a school trip and he was like, yeah, they had all these rules and some of them didn't make any sense at all. And so I was like, oh, well, like what rules? You know, oh, well, people couldn't be in each other's rooms. Like only the people that were staying in those rooms could be in the rooms, you know? And I'm like, well, try to imagine a bunch of kids your age in one room together, completely unsupervised and what things that could happen. You know, they're, they're sort of responsible. I guess they had like 90 children and eight teachers. I'm like, they have to set these rules in place, you know, just to protect you guys and to make sure that nothing happens. I go, you, you have to create rules for the worst child, let's take it, you know, rather than the best child. So not to say that most of you guys aren't responsible and could handle yourselves, but if you've got one child that could ruin it for everyone, you know, you've got to set those rules and boundaries for that kid. Because I tried to make the analogy of going on the plane and us only being allowed to take travel size items now. I go, because one person messed it up for everyone and it made a, like a liquid bomb or whatever. And now all of us have to travel with these little travel size items, which hopefully he thought was funny, but you never know. <laughs> and where do you sort of see things going with them and do you think the advice Claire's given you will help by doing sort of family meetings and talking to them and speaking to your partner and stuff? I mean, I think ultimately at the end of the day, communication is at the core of everything and it's something unfortunately our family has just struggled with and I do feel that we need help with it because it can be, there's so much sensitivities. You know, it's kind of like a landmine sometimes. And at any point, you know, for the, the oldest one and the youngest one and my partner and for me, all of us have these little landmines and we're all trying to kind of tiptoe around sometimes. But I think just trying to be as aware as I can and as empathetic as I can and just being calm when communicating. And I think just trying to open up those lines of communication, like you said, Claire, with my partner more is so necessary. And I think it would be so great if we could have more conversations as a family to bring our oldest into the conversation and make him feel like he really is contributing and sort mm. of kind of gaining as well his responsibility and, and his independence and becoming older now. Who's there for you? Who do you talk to or vent to? Or do people get your situation, like your friends and family? I think, yeah, it is. It's tough because there aren't that many people that I know in my exact situation. I think what's so great about, I think this podcast and some of these groups, I think that we're creating along with it is we are trying to build a community and a network 
of those of us in a similar situation. I do try to go to a lot of mother's groups and things here and there, and I have to try to modify the experiences that people are going through to fit into my experience being a step-parent rather than having that natural biological connection so inherently there. But that being said, there are still so many similarities. And I still feel like even though I have friends that aren't in the exact situation, that I am still able to find some support and the ability to vent, (laughs) which happens sometimes. Yeah, I think it's hard because you're isolated in a way Mm -hmm. because you're a stepmom and you're not seen as a biological Mm mum when you go to those groups, etc., or Mm -hmm. friends to talk to, but you're still living with these children, one of them full-time and Mm -hmm. the other half the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, and and that's the thing as well, even with step-parents, I sort of feel like I'm somewhere in the middle because a lot of step-parents will, you know, have, you know, all of the kids away most of the time or, you know, half the time or whatever, they will have these kind of pockets or breaks or not be fully responsible for one or more of the children. And so I find myself in kind of both of these situations, sort of adopting one of them for all intents and purposes and and what that's like. But they do, step family situations are of all shapes and mm-hmm. sizes. Mm-hmm. And you're right that it's more common for children to be in and out, but it's not completely, your situation is not entirely unheard of. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is my brother's in a situation um, my brother's in a relationship with a woman as well who has two kids. And we we talk about it too, but it is so different because as a woman, just as it stands, unfortunately or fortunately, we have a lot more expectations of things to take on and the pressures that can kind of come from that. I think just from being the woman coming into the situation and then, oh, just assuming that mother role and then taking on this, this and this and the, just the pressures that come with the- that. I think the slight difficulty is that for men who come in in mm-hmm. that situation, they often feel like they they should be the disciplinarian mm-hmm. and that doesn't work mm. with the stepchildren. But often yeah. mothers who are with children on their own, especially when they've been single for a while, mm-hmm. they've got a slightly more chaotic lifestyle or than a man can feel. I mean, I don't like to genderize things because, of course, people are different, mm-hmm. but these are typical sort of situations. Mm-hmm where that feels like this is what I, you know, a man might feel this is what I can contribute. Mm. But actually, they can't. It doesn't quite work like that because they have the same difficulty that you have of being the outsider trying to put something, some order or something of themselves onto the situation. So that is something. Well, Shana, thank you so much for coming on and your honesty and being so open. And thank you also to Claire and I hope some of what she said may help and talking about your blended family has helped as well. I really hope that this podcast, as we were just saying, raises awareness of blended families and and helps anyone in one. And if you've enjoyed listening, please do rate us as it helps people find this podcast. And it's nice to have a nice rating. So uh, thanks for listening. Mm